We got Matty Mac preaching. I'm Jim Gray, and then uh, he's going to rock your world. Jesus, thank you so much for Matt and everything he's did to this body, God. I thank you for his diligence in the word, God, and what he has to bring to us. God, I pray you give us open minds and open hearts to hear what he has to say. And as always, God, make Matt only say what you want him to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Post Tenebris Luke's. After darkness comes light. Um, so 2016, for a lot of people, has been a, a dark year. There's a lot of death. We talked about the death just a few minutes ago that we saw in Portland. Um, we saw the death of our loved ones. We have a funeral on Saturday. It's all around us. But with that, I want you guys um, to take away something. Uh, to know that after death and after darkness uh, comes light. So I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, page 1068 for uh, Cell Bibles. And so uh, here we have the Apostle Paul uh, speaking to his beloved uh, brethren, the, the church, one of the churches that he ministered to. Uh, and after, uh, after dealing with a bunch of issues in, in uh, verse 14, he says, For the love of Christ controls us or constrains us because we have concluded this that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Obviously, the one is Jesus, and all who have died are all those who believe in him. Um, you see, when you look around this room, you're going to see a lot of people who have died to themselves, uh, a lot of uh, people who are, uh, who are alive today, but they have put away their old selves. They have buried it uh, in their baptism. Uh, and I want to share uh, one of the most beautiful pictures that Jesus painted was of uh, a, a grain of wheat. Uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said that a grain of wheat, unless it falls to the earth or the ground and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, then it will bear much fruit. And so when you look around uh, at these people who uh, who serve you, who listen to you, and who are just your friends. Uh, these are all people who have died. They've learned the truth of that, that they can have no fruit unless they die. And so, in verse 15, uh, back in 2 Corinthians, he says, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So the immediate after effect of this death uh, is life. He says, once you have died, you are now no longer going to live for yourself. You are going to live for him who died, not only died for you, but also was raised on your behalf. So the fruit that we are looking for, the fruit when that seed dies, is new life. Uh, but the most beautiful thing about that thing that Jesus said uh, about the grain of wheat was the verse right before it says uh, the hour had come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So Jesus was actually talking about himself. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2 we read that um, Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, 
he did not regard his equality with God something to be exploited, but he humbled himself to the form of man, and he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so when he says this seed came down from heaven to earth, he's talking about himself. Uh, and what, what did uh, the original saying said, he said, if the seed doesn't die, then it's going to remain alone. So Jesus did not want to remain alone. He wanted a bride. He wanted to purchase a people for himself. Uh, and so you'll remember from way back in the beginning, Genesis 2.18, God makes all of creation. He says, this is good, this is good, this is good. And he makes man. And after he makes man, he says, it is not good that man be alone. So there's a sense in which, yes, Jesus is eternally existent, enjoys perfect fellowship with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, but he does not yet have his bride. And from the very beginning of creation, he has been preparing the way to take his bride. And so, as this seed, he's saying, if I don't die, I'm going to remain without my bride. I'm going to remain without you people. So he says, I'm going to pay that price, and I am going to die for them. So the fruit that he brings up is Jeremy, is Jonathan, is Jenna, Shannon. That's the fruit he's talking about. So in verse 16, uh, Paul goes on based on that, that awesome picture of, of one dying for all and all having died with him and raised to life. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so, thinking back to that beautiful picture of marriage, uh, the whole idea is that um, uh, the man lays down his life for the woman. Adam was put to sleep by God, and his rib was taken from him. He gave up a piece of his life to create woman. And then what happens is they become one flesh, and they are treated as one flesh. Uh, I've been doing real estate classes, and there's in certain states where uh, if a couple buys a house together, they're considered one entity. And you cannot, you cannot uh, sell the deed uh, separately because they're considered as one person. And this is the idea that we have here. So when it says that we are in Christ... We are new creations. Paul's saying, based on that, don't regard one another according to the flesh. Don't look at one another as if you are still this old sinner that has died. We're supposed to look at each other and look at ourselves the way that God looks at us. So when he sees us, he sees us as not only alongside Jesus, but he sees us as, as a part of him, as married to him, as in-laws to him. Which means that the very love that God has for his son, Jesus, he has for us. And when Jesus bought us and paid for us, he paid for all of us. He bought all of us. He said, for better or for worse. And so, when you look at your brother and your sister, the ones who have died with Christ and have been raised with him, you are supposed to look at them as a son of God. As someone who's been totally forgiven. And not to look at them as 
uh, the dead man that, that once was. Some of you are very good at this. You're very forgiving towards each other. You're very patient. You pray for each other. You even believe that God is going to do great works in them. And you say that to them. You don't dwell on their sin. But some of you same people have the same, have, a, have an issue looking at yourselves that way. Even though you know that you have died with Jesus, you're impatient with yourself, you don't forgive yourself, and you sometimes you doubt God's love for you based on what you have done. So what Paul is saying is, if someone is in Christ, he's a new creation, look at Christ. Don't look at the old man. You see, when we die, we are joined to this plant. Uh, he speaks of the, this little, uh, this little germ, this little grain of wheat. It's very small. It starts as one, but it turns into this beautiful wheat plant. Uh, Jesus also compares the kingdom of God to a small mustard seed, but when it has grown up, it has become uh, the greatest of all of all the garden plants. It becomes a tree. Uh, so what happens is when we die with Christ, we are raised with him, not only our lives uh, brought back to us, but we are brought back as part of Jesus, as part of him. And God does not look at what we once were. He looks at us as part of that plant. So, when in your baptism, you go under those waters, what you're saying is, you have died that death with Jesus. You have buried him there. And then when you come up out of those waters, you are a new creation. It is what uh, Jesus calls the new birth. You must be born again. And once you've come up out of those waters, you need to leave the old man there. See, some of you haven't died yet. And you don't know Jesus. So the, the beautiful promises here, they don't yet apply to you. Maybe Jesus is still pursuing you and you... Uh, you don't want to die. You don't want to let go of certain things. You don't want uh, to yield to his love. But some of you have died. But once in a while, you'll remember something about the old man, but the old man will come back up uh, and rear its ugly head. And then what you'll do is you'll doubt everything that God has done since you came up out of those waters. And you refuse to leave him in those waters. But our command is to recognize that the old has passed away. And it says, behold, behold, see, look, the new has come. So a huge problem that we have is we don't realize uh, in this beautiful analogy of a plant that Jesus draws is, okay, you die as the seed and you come up as a plant. As soon as you start to sprout out of that soil, you've already become a new creation, and that foundation will never be taken from you. But maybe you're just this small. That's okay. God's not done with you. Uh, one day, you will be part of that grand uh, mustard tree, that great stalk of wheat. Right now, maybe you've just started. Uh, and I want to tell you, please, not only be patient with yourself, but be patient with God. If he has begun to work in you, if he has started to invest in you, uh, he doesn't make bad investments. He knows what he has chosen. So recognize that you are not done yet. God is not done with you. Uh, 
Don't constantly look at yourself. It's healthy to look at yourself and see how you're growing, to praise God, but don't dwell on uh, yourself and your failures constantly because that draws your attention away from Christ. You're supposed to look at His perfect work. We read all of His parables and all of His awesome illustrations. We read ourselves into it so much uh, when the real answer is look at Jesus. It's all about Him. And so it says in verse 18, he goes on, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So he starts, since man failed to live out our purpose, representing God on this earth, uh, God had to send his only son. He starts with Jesus Christ. And then after Jesus Christ, he uses us to reconcile the world back to himself. In Romans chapter 8, it says that the entire creation, the entire cosmos, is groaning and waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. So when he's taking back earth, back under his reign, he's saying, I'm going to start with you. You're going to be the very first things that will start this new heavens and this new earth. And so every time one of you dies, and every time one of you is raised with Christ, we are one step closer to that new heaven and new earth. This is a thing that was uh, prophesied in, uh, by Isaiah. He was given a vision. In chapter 65, verse 17, he says, uh, he's... He's receiving this from Yahweh, from God. And it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. In Revelation, you get a very similar message, and it tells us that Jerusalem is the holy people of God. So what he's saying is, I'm creating not only the city, but the people in there, that civilization, every single human being that populates my heavenly Jerusalem is going to be my joy. I'm going to have gladness in them. How many of you actually believe that? That's good. At least one. How many of you actually believe that when Christ bought you, it wasn't just some scheme of how, you know, how we can get saved, A, B, C, one, two, three. God actually loves you. And he bought you because he loves you and wants you. So some of you haven't died yet. And some of you have died, but you haven't let go of the old man. But once you do, the freedom that you will have is incomparable. When you realize that Christ is on your side, no matter what, and that he knew what you were going to fail in after your salvation, and he said yes anyways, he said his vows anyways because he knew ahead of time, it's because he knows in the future what you're going to be. You're going to be that beautiful plant that has come up out of the ground and has been joined to himself. This was his plan from the beginning of all creation. 
And so it says, he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. So when someone gives you a coffee, or they, they help you out with your family situation, they give you a ride home, they just listen to you, they preach the gospel to you, this isn't us. We, we have already died. We've become part of this plant. So this is Jesus' way of loving you. This is how Jesus gives you a cup of coffee. This is how Jesus listens to you, listens to your hurts, counsels you, and is just your friend. He has decided to make us his living representatives on this earth. He says we are ambassadors for Christ. That is too lofty a title for us. But he has entrusted it to us. Jesus said that to the person who has much, even more will be given. But to him who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him. Brian preached about this on Congress Street today. Saying that the, Portland, the city of Portland, the state of Maine, the entire nation, is one day going to be under the feet of the church. But to those who do not die with Jesus and reject him, even what they do have, that very image of God that they have, will be taken away from them. So what he says is, God's making his appeal through us. This is why when you pray for each other, you should be praying that you are the answer to that prayer. We sometimes separate what God does and what we do, but he has chosen us to be his representatives on this earth. Please take heart, uh, even in the middle of the immaturity, uh, knowing that what, whatever part you are in this plant, maybe you just aren't fully grown yet. Um, so it says, we implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Come back to your original purpose of being an image bearer, of simply creating life, reflecting God's rule on this earth, making the city a beautiful place where the people praise God, the people love each other, the people love God. This is what it means to be reconciled to God. It means simply to be who you were made to be as a human being, as a ruler on this earth. It was beautiful what Kyle was sharing. God is not some uh, dictator who's egotistical and demands all this praise. He knows that our highest fulfillment is when we are praising him because it is our purpose. And so because he loves us so much, he demands that worship because he knows that is where we were going to find fulfillment. This is how his love uh, is brought out. God makes his glory available to us in these small uh, these small glimpses just so we can get a taste of what is to come. <laughs> so we long for this new heaven and new earth. My appeal to you is, if you have not died, count the cost. The cost is not being perfect. Otherwise, Jesus would not say yes to any of us. The cost is be willing, be yielded. Look at that beauty of Jesus Christ, that seed that came down from heaven so that he would not remain alone, so that he could have a bride. Look at that and treasure it. 
submit to his sacrifice. In Isaiah chapter 1, he says, I will not listen to your prayers. You have to clean your hands. Your hands are filled with blood. But we know that we can't clean our own hands. Our best works are as filthy rags. So 52 chapters later, he talks about the suffering servant. The servant that God was going to send into the world. This is Jesus. The servant that would take our iniquities upon himself, who would be crucified without opening his mouth. This is how that seed died. So as you come out of this year, we try to make a big thing out of, uh, out of New Year's. Uh, you've seen a lot of death, a lot of sadness, but there will be light afterwards. If you die with him. You may need one more death before you can proceed to life. And when you get that life, you will no longer live for yourself. You will no longer be in the driver's seat. Uh, but Christ will be in the driver's seat. And you will, you will be his way of showing love to people. You will no longer have uh, the selfish motives in everything you do. Your righteousness will actually be pleasing to God. It won't be as filthy rags because you're working it through the grace of Jesus. And so Paul concludes the chapter by saying, for our sake, he made him, he made Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that we might be perfect and blameless before him. Not only so that we could fulfill his perfect standard, but so that we could be the living embodiment of God's covenant justice. So that we could represent God's desire to reconcile the creation back to himself. So this Jesus who took on the iniquity upon himself, he did it for his bride. He did it to restore us to who we are made to be. And this righteousness of God is not simply a righteousness that seeks to punish evil, but it is a righteousness that longs to restore creation. It longs to have harmony between heaven and earth. This is why we love to pray, uh, our Father who art in heaven, we pray on earth as it is in heaven, let your will be done. Because this is our purpose as Christians. We pray every day that we, as these representatives and ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we are going to be the ones through whom God implements that. He implements his reign through his people, through his bride. And one day we will be perfected. We will be able to dine with him. And we will be his joy. And when you realize that you are God's joy, nothing else will be so powerful in your prayer, in how you speak to people, in your intimacy with him. Your fear of him will be a holy fear. You will no longer run from him, but it will be a fear that stays. Even a fear where you don't know what to do, but you know who to trust. When you actually believe that God loves you, You won't tremble at the enemy anymore. Because you know that he is on your side. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. When you look at creation, you will long for that new heaven and new earth. You will look at the city of Lewiston, and you will have a vision of when that city is totally under God's control. So my appeal to you is, 
If you haven't died, die. Give up yourself, give up your desire to hold on. And for those of you who have died, but maybe you're in the wilderness, maybe you're holding on to some things, or you're just letting things uh, creep up back at you, and you don't realize that the dead man, he can't move. He's just a reflection in the water. He can't get up out of there because God dealt with him once for all. He did that foundation. And so when you have growing pains, it's okay. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with God. So I pray that you would have uh, a sense of optimism going into the new year. January, February is often a very depressing time. Sometimes just because of the weather and the darkness, but after darkness comes light. Post neighbors lose. God, I pray for uh, these beautiful people that you have redeemed. God, I thank you that you saw it fit to make them your treasure. God, we'll never understand why you saw us as so valuable. But you did. Jesus, you came down from heaven as a, as a man, as an infant. And you lived a humble life of obedience. Nobody could take your life from you, but you freely gave it up so that you could bear much fruit. So that these people could be sitting here today. 2,000 years ago, it was just one seed. But now there are millions upon millions upon millions stalks of grain, trees that have grown from that. God, I pray that in the midst of darkness and discouragement, that people would see that light. They would see the love of God. And though we cannot immediately get rid of darkness and death, we pray that we would not lose heart. We pray that these people would receive not only comfort, but also vision. As ambassadors of Christ, Lord, I pray that they would make many more of these people who would die and be raised alongside Christ. Teach them your way, God. Teach them to love as you have loved. Lord, let that love be fueled from their knowledge that they are your joy, that you delight in them. That they are nothing less in the very precious, spotless bride of Jesus. God, let this empower them in their prayers, how they, uh, how they act, how they speak. God, I pray that uh, the old man and the lies of the enemy would be exposed for what they are as something that has been destroyed, something that has been buried. God, for those who have not experienced this death, have not experienced resurrection and new life, God, I pray that you would touch their hearts, that you would open their eyes, give them ears to hear have mercy on them. Pray that even tonight, the thought of your love would not let them go to sleep at night until they, until they yield to that. Until they turn from their old ways, accept your sacrifice on their behalf. God, I thank you for your goodness.
Thank you for listening to this resource from Cell 53, Proclaiming the Kingdom of God for the Sake of the City. For more resources, visit cell53.com.